Blake, we're back. Episode four, season two of the Campbell's Gambles podcast, proudly sponsored by Dabble, uh, your one-stop shop for everything bookmaking, banter, and blokes. A few females on there too, um, but you get your own profile. No profile photos as yet, but um, maybe in future. How are you, Blake? <laughs> <laughs> Long intro, but I'm good, Jason. How are you going? Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> not bad. <laughs> I'm not bad. Imagine Dabble just becomes like Tinder or something. You start messaging people like private, you know, like private messages. Dabble's like Instagram, but like a Instagram bookmaker type thing. So it's really good. It's a good platform. Just wait till they start allowing stories and you can post your stories whenever, when you're at the place with all your mates chewing on a horse back on Dabble. You can yeah. post your little story underneath your bet slip or something. That's good actually, eh? Just you click on the fucking, on the photo and you're set. Yeah, you wow. We got to we got to speak to Dabble about that. I want to <laughs> implement that. We got to implement that. But anyway, if you're not with Dabble, download them App Store um, and Google Play. It's the big purple with the OK, um, I guess, finger suggestions, so you can't miss them. Um, sign up using the promo code CG and uh, possibly join our banter group, our private banter group that will be happening someday sometime <laughs> but uh anyway blake what's been happening what's how's your week gone so far uh it's been all right just enjoying the, the last week before uni's back so oh yes taking that what you will whether it's a good or a bad thing i'll actually be this week so <laughs> yes. i'll be doing stuff but no i've been enjoying uh enjoying the good weather there's been some good weather in sydney so it's been a nice week how about you good yeah, just just dropping off dogs, greyhounds here, there, everywhere. <laughs> oh, a couple of them shit in my car today. Damn, it stunk. Oh, the most disrespectful greyhounds I've ever had. Normally they just just sit there, they don't whine. They just they're just beautiful dogs. They're very easy to manage. But yeah, they, these two terrors, mate. They just shit, and it, my car smells like shit. And I need to I need to figure that out. <laughs> That's a problem. That's a problem I'm going to encounter over the weekend. A shitty car. So. Literally. But anyway, um, let's go back to last week. That's our first segment of this show. Uh, the review, group one wrap-up, Tefane or Tefane, or I say Tefane, some people say Tefane. She won another group one. What did you make of her effort, Blake? Yeah, good effort. Very good effort. Do you, do you um, say Tefane or Tefane? Tefane. That's I don't know. I've never heard anyone call it to fame. I've heard some but people to fame. I honestly, I wouldn't surprise me. Some of the butchers I've I've heard of other names. <laughs> that one's definitely not even close to to top of the list for butchers. But no, nah, yeah, it was a good win by her. I kind of missed her to be honest. I mean, her first up record was kind of the bit that steered me off her. But like, I remember last prep when we did season one of the podcast. We were, we were liking her and then I think you liked her stepping up to the mile, but I didn't because I didn't think that she'd get the mile and I think she preferred the 1400 and it's obvious now that she does because she 
did it again, 1400 meters group one level. So, um, yeah, good win. Yeah, I'm a little frustrated because the first horse I was, and it's easy saying now in hindsight, seven days after the race, but truthfully, hand on heart, the first horse I was drawn to immediately was Tefane. And that was based on how good her spring was, in my opinion, at unsuitable trips. However, mm. Blake did say, I looked at her first up record. I'm thinking, oh, she might just not be ready first up. So I let one go through to, to the keeper there. And she got out to a bit of a ridiculous price in the end. I think she was like eight or $9. So but yeah, on the Tefane, I've heard Tefane. I've heard Tefane. But I heard someone called Espiona, Espionage. So... There's levels to it. Yeah. Well, that same person gave me a death threat. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? Espionage hasn't run yet. <laughs> but anyway, um, good segue into our next thing. Fangirl, she uh, beat Espiona. What do we think of, uh, I guess, those two horses moving forward? Um, well, I knew before the race there wasn't as much between them as the market suggested. It was far less between them. Like, Fangirl's done nothing wrong until now. And, I mean, neither has Espiona. Her wins have, uh, like, been more uh, eye-catching. But Fangirl's been pretty much just as good. And, like, Espiona did it a little bit tough from, from Barrier 12, admittedly. But, like, it was no surprise because, like, you can you can look at any form guide and see that she's got Barrier 12. So... It was yeah. no surprise to see that she had to work a little bit harder than Fangirl and it ended up being an extremely close finish. And um, like, honestly, it really could have gone both ways. Like if, if the tiniest little difference happened at any stage in that race, Espiona might win. Um, but yeah, Fangirl got the bob and that drift on Fangirl was absolutely disgusting. Like I'd be lying if I said I didn't have something on her after she got up to 14s. That was ridiculous odds for Fangirl who... Clearly was like the biggest competitor at Espion in that race. I said that four moves ahead was, but then um, on the day it just turned out that um, the, the kind of leading bias didn't really eventuate as much as I thought it would. So uh, yeah, yeah, good win, good win. Not much between them. Yeah, I thought Espion was a bit flat, um, but yeah, as you said, like. You know, she had a lot of things go wrong in that race, albeit I knew what I was getting myself into. And I think most punters knew what they were getting themselves into. And if they didn't, then maybe look at the form guide a little bit. Um, and yeah, she just did a few things wrong. She was uh, just laying in down the straight, which is weird to see. She didn't really sprint off the dime like she had in the previous two runs. And uh, yeah. a bit flat, a bit flat. But um, I think probably part in that would be in part due to the fact that she just had to work harder during the entire race. Like her first two runs, she's been able to just not even care about where she is, just completely go to sleep and then like gets woken up around the turn. Whereas this time she actually had to work to get sort of to a decent spot and she still had to work because she wasn't in properly. I think she was three wide um, the whole way. So like, she never really got that that rest that she would probably need to have that sprint at the end of a run. Yeah, it was a bit. It was a bit of a, in my opinion, as a non-jockey, a bit of a flat and silly ride. In my opinion, like you're kind of in that position. In my opinion, you either go forward, take the brunt, 
or you just go back and just, you know, handcuffs, go back, take your medicine. But he just got stuck in no man's land. And as you said, she basically ran 1,200 meters full out, like running, running. Whereas mm. all the other horses, literally, you know, the first 100 meters, you know, find a position, blah, 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 go to sleep, turn the engine off for like 600 meters, then go again with like four, 500 to go. So it'd be interesting to see what happens at 1,400 meters now, uh, especially if Espiona draws a little bit better. Um, I think she's, oh, I don't think, I know she's capable of turning tables, but. I think Fangirl is the one stepping up in trip you'd be more confident with. So be interesting. Yeah. Hopefully a battle well, I, I took another horse out of that race that I want to mention because I'll definitely be mentioning her if she runs or when she runs next, Heresy. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I booked her off that run. 1,200 metres is below. She got up to 1,600 last prep um, at the Valley and at Caulfield. And like she was sort of there some runs and not there other runs but the runs that she did turn up for she seemed to have decent ability so um yeah i'm gonna be keeping an eye on her this prep yeah follow heresy for blake uh last thing we're gonna touch base on the mighty mayor um probable oh that wasn't her name obviously but the mighty mayor um but she's retired through the week just a quick one on probable did you have much luck with her blake did you were you able to get out of jail a few times with her or lots to go there uh, probably has been a really good really good man for me i've yeah. loved her ever since she's she came so yeah it was i don't know sad to see her go but you know she had a very good prolific career she won plenty of races and i think um most hunters would be on her side as well like i think most runs where she was well in the market and supported to win or expected to run well, she did. She's a very consistent horse mare like that. So, yeah, it was a, it was a really good win as well, um, that run, um, over 1,200, which is below what she can, what trip she can get over. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the races this week. We've got a big show, so we're going to get straight into it. Rose Hill track conditions, weather and bias, track assessment, weather, 25 degrees and sunny, rail in the true position, no rain on the forecast. Track is currently a good four by race day. Um, I'd be expecting a probably a good four, if not possibly a good three. Depends. Rose Hill has been a bit firm recently. Uh, track bias, Blake, just a typical. Yeah, typical straightforward, leader-ish, forward half of the field, inside barriers probably. Yeah, I shall be looking at that too because it just happens time and time again, especially over the sprint trips, especially over the 1,100 metres, even more so. All right, first race. Race six, the group two silver slipper over the 1,100 metres. We have to see the two-year-olds out again and we get to, I guess, judge where they're all at in our preparation of the big one, the golden slipper, which is only a couple of weeks away. Uh, the current favorite is queen of the ball for Richard and Michael Freeman. Uh, currently $2.60 with dabble. Uh, can she make a statement here? She did first up, but can she really put it uh, to these horses here? And I guess what's the word? Make us feel like we've got another two-year-old capable of beating Kulangata. Not saying that. There isn't, but I don't think one's really put a statement out just yet. Um, well, this race and beating Pulangara, I think, are two completely different kettles of fish. But um, I was 
was with Queen in the ball first up. She ran second. She ran really well. And she was like $10 there. And then I backed her when she won last time. And that day at Rose Hill was like pretty much anything that led. And honestly, there were some races where like there were four horses in a line in the lead, all just like fighting for the lead. And the horse on the inside that was leading still kicked and won. So it was a massive, massive advantage to be leading on the rail that day. But um, like I said, I liked Queen of the Ball before that. So, and honestly, the the manner in which she won, even with the bias in her favour, I think, you know, she's got barrier one again. She's probably going to lead again or, or, you know, be very close to leading leaders back if she doesn't. Um, she's the one to beat for me. I don't know about two or sixty. I don't even know if I'll bet in the race, to be honest, because it's a two-year-old race and they're always a little bit tricky. And shit happens, especially in two-year-old races. But, yeah, I think she's... I'm still going to follow her. I, th- I think she's still the one to beat here. I thought she was last race as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way it'll go. What about you? Well, not just that, but the format of the race so far has been, I guess, bulletproof, really. They've had, there's been two runners out of the race. Revolutionary Miss came out and won at Caulfield last week. And Mumbai Jill came out and won at, uh, where were we last week? Randwick. So, um, and they beat strong enough fields too. So, obviously, the form's strong. She put a gap on them. Very good figures last 600 metres, albeit, as you said, probably bias um, advantageous towards her. But barrier one, 1,100 metres, Rachel King on board, you know, 54 and a half kilos. The Phillies have kind of been, I guess, better than the Colts so far, well, two-year-old-wise. I don't think there's been a Colt uh, or a Gelding that's come out and really proven themselves yet. So... Still a bit sceptical on that. I guess it's just a speed battle. Um, best of Bordeaux went forward last time. I'm sure Gay Waterhouse, um, Athleticas want to probably go forward. I know they're drawn wide, but that's another one. I guess if you can if you can forgive Ebha, she was odds-on favourite in that race that Queen of the Ball won. Um, she just literally threw her head around like an absolute um, lunatic. Um, but, you know, you're getting 10 times the price for her, whereas Queen of the Ball's gone 15s in the 260 and Ebhar's $1.90 at the 10. So it's it's a massive, massive switch up in the market. So I think we're going to play that form line. Um, not sure if I'll be betting on this race too, but I think Queen of the Ball's the one to beat. But I think Ebhar just purely on SP profile is just a ridiculous price. And she's if she can, she's trialed since. And if, if she can show up on her best behavior, she's definitely has the ability to run top three here. So is that all we need to talk about in this race, Blake? Yeah, I think so. Beautiful. All right, race eight, the Hobartville Stakes. I was watching replays of the Autumn Sunway in this race uh, two or three years ago and brought back goosebumps. The reason I got into racing, love the Autumn Sun, but uh, he's at stud now and he's just popping him out at a rate of knots. Um, Anyway, (laughs) uh, yeah, so Animo is back in action. Um, short price favorite once again. Uh, odds on currently a dollar seventy with Dabble. Uh, speed map Blake, who goes forward here? Uh, all the all the horses drawn really wide. Silent Impact. Who was it? Got uh, yeah. Silent Impact, Converge, and who's the other one drawn wide? Subterranean. They're all yeah. going to go sort of forward from those wide gates. So I think they'll get across pretty easily as well because the rest that are drawn well don't really have much uh, natural early pace. So, Yeah. 
Oh, I know you're a man of the percentages and you really love odds. Animo, I know he's short, but back or lay at the current price. Gun to your head. I know it's a difficult one, but I'm we're not fence. here to sit on the fence. So gun to your head, back or lay? I'm laying. Okay. Reason? Yeah. I, um, similar to what I said last uh, last week with um, oh, shit, Espiona. Yeah. A dollar fifty, like maybe Animo is the one. Like everyone was saying last week, oh, Espiona could be the you know the really next massive horse that ever, all of Australia gets behind because she just can't lose or whatever the whatever bullshit comes out of their mouths. Like they say it every time. There's an odds on the three year old, and like, all right, you get one every year that you could that the whole of Australia follows every year. But how many odds on three year olds run every year? A lot more than one. Like fucking. 20 times one. So like I'd be I'd rather be laying the 19 that run odds on and lose than backing all 20 and then winning on one of them. You know what I mean? So that's look, that's that's my that's my strategy and I'll stick with it. And um while I'm talking, I like Halal. Barrier one, um, I liked his run first up. I thought he was a little bit unlucky, got a little bit held up. He had barrier eleven, went back. He's got barrier one and he's drawn well before and been able to posse up a little bit better than like dead fucking last. So um, Willie Pike aboard, it'll be interesting to see if he can weave some magic from the inside there because he def- Halal definitely won't lead. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll just come down to whether he gets gaps late and sort of how favoured the leaders are because I reckon those front three who are drawn really wide will pretty much just get the race on their own terms. Um, but I think Halal would be just behind them somewhere, like two or three pairs back the rail. Um, if he can hold that spot, I think he's in, in with a chance. Yeah. Pikey in Sydney hasn't uh, ridden a winner yet. Not that I know of. Um, but uh, I guess it'll take him some time to adjust to the conditions here, but I can't wait to see what he can do after having a couple of months settling in to the racing style over here and the tracks over here, different. Whole different of kettle, a uh, whole different kettle of fish over here. Pikey's used to riding on two or three or maybe four tracks over in WA, and now he's has probably about you know up to ten tracks that he'll be riding on in here in Sydney. So be back at home, the wizard. So hopefully he can uh, <clears throat> steer home halal for you, Blake. Uh, I'm in the back camp of Animo, and just purely based on ratings, weights, um, he's a deserved odds-on favourite. The only thing that's against him is the track bias. There's, there's and and he's running style. There's nothing else that can beat him. It's only whether, if, oh, in my opinion, I just think he's coming out of a Group Two race against the open age horses, where he was clearly the run of the race, and now he's going. He's dropping back to his own age set weights. Steps up to four ten meters. Second up fitness. He kind of ticks every single box. Um, the only box he doesn't tick is barrier running style and a bit of an unknown around the bias. But if they are running on tomorrow, chances are he probably starts shorter just because he's just so well weighted in this race. Like realistically speaking, he's 14 rating points higher than Converge. That's a seven kilo difference, whereas he meets him at set weights. So he's just so well in here and it's just hard to go around. And I really can't make much of a, um, what's the word, um, case for any of these other horses. So it's a bit, bit flattening because it's, He's just, he's just too well in, that, in my opinion. Just way too well in. Um, I see where you're coming from with Palau, but 
you know, even then again, Animo's had his measure. Um, I guess that was, you know, when there were early three-year-olds, early two-year-olds. But, uh, yeah, I'd be surprised if the uh, the Godolphin Blue don't win this race. And uh, I think what also helps him is the speed drawing out wide. If it's speed drawn inside, generally they just pause you up and find a spot. When it, when it's out wide, some of them have to hustle and bustle to get across, and it really just you can just really get a card across nice and easy behind them, and and yeah, maybe be too good for them. So I'm with Animo in race eight, the Hobartville Stakes. We'll move on to the trial files now. We had to lose the last week. We had uh, Mentalicity. We ran fourth in the in the first race. wasn't a bad fourth, but uh, never really looked a winner. Um, and yeah, Mumbai Jewel won that race. Uh, quite well but we're heading to canterbury tonight friday so it depends when you listen to this podcast but uh race one which makes it even worse <laughs> number eight psychiatrist uh trained by gerald ryan i really liked him as a two-year-old um tried really well heading into his first run in the group three breeders plate however uh tommy berry eased him down on that occasion um just based on his action or throat or some issues so he kind of never got his chance to show it, but in two trials as preparation, he did run second to that Mentalicity horse um, who I had last week. So I, I like that trial form line. Um, and he also beat home Conqueror in his most recent trial. Conqueror has come out on Wednesday and won at the Kensington track. So I think he'll be hard to beat tonight. Uh, 1,200 metres Canterbury, Tim Clark, book, Gerald Ryan first up. Kind of just the no-brainer in my opinion on a week where there's not too many horses trial-wise that I've really been waiting to see. So, um, yeah, psychiatrist for me. Blake, Hong Kong horse to follow for Sunday. Yep, Sunday, Sha Tin. Um, same kind of strategy. I think one of the best chances in the card, um, likely favourite is Captain Wynn in race nine, number one. Top weight, um, he carried top weight last time, ran second at Crossford, who's in this race as well. Um, he meets Crossford one and a half kilos better, but Crossford drew gate one that uh, that day that Crossford won. He won by 0.1 of a length, so it was like a nose, it was a head bobber at the end. Um, but yeah, he's drawn gate 14 this time, so he's drawn the absolute car park, worst drawn in the field. Um, and the horse that ran third um, by... 0.1 of a length as well. So also in that photo photo finish is infinite power. He's he drew gate two and he's drawn gate twelve. Captain Wynn had gate eight, uh, gate seven and has gate eight. So similar similar kind of gate for Captain Wynn, but the other two have gone from absolute best draw in the field to absolute worst. Um, so I think yeah, Captain Wynn will be able to turn the tables here. He's been running really well. Like he was he was odds on. Oh no, he was just. Even odds, so two dollars. Uh, two starts ago, ran second to uh, Sight Spirit, who's going really, really well. And um, last start, he was odds on dollar eighty and ran second by point one of a length and head bobber. So, yeah, I think he could turn the tables. Beautiful. We'll be watching out for Captain Win Race Nine at Charlton on Sunday. Let's head into Flemington now. We're covering the Group One Lightning Stakes. First of all, track conditions, weather, and bias. 23 degrees and sunny, rail in the true position, no rain whatsoever on the forecast. Track's currently a good four and expected to play similar on race day. Expected track bias, Blake? Um, no, I, I'm not expecting. I don't know what to expect. That's probably the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to expect at all, honestly. Yeah. Um, 
just anything can win, maybe. But I'll just wait and see what happens first couple Watch of races. and assess. That's mm. the way you get out there. That's straight back block. Classic Malinga bomb the slingers, mate. Watch <laughs> and assess races earlier. If anything, it'll be pace dependent. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Race seven, the group one lightning stakes over the 1,000 metres. We get to see some high-class sprinters return here, some of the best in the world, let alone Australia. Uh, and Nature Strip, the highest-rated sprinter in the world, returns here. And he's a current $2.60 favourite with Dabble. Speed map, Blake, what are we expecting here? Fireworks. <laughs> Answer your own question, Jason. Yeah, you took the word right out of my mouth. Home Affairs property Yeah. Yep, yeah, they won't be um they won't be hanging around to wait and see. What do you make of James McDonald's decision to ride home affairs? Did you read the article? Have you seen the article? I have not. So oh. you'll have to make the uh the assessment there, James. Well, it came out a fortnight ago and they declared that Mr. James McDonald was parting ways with Nature Strip for this race and possible future races to ride home affairs. And apparently that is due to Coolmore. It's a business decision. So basically whatever jockey wins a group one on the, um, I guess, syndicate's horse or the stud farm's horse in the horse racing world, it is, commonly known that the jockey receives one service fee every year for the next 10 years from the horse that he won the group one on, if that makes any sense. So for example, he wins the group one on home affairs. He gets one service fee every year for the next 10 years and home affairs could be a $70,000 horse. So purely from the perspective of business, James McDonald is probably looking at minimum, maybe 500 a half million dollars over the next 10 years whereas he probably gets his five percent cut for like 30 grand for winning this race from nature ship if he was to win the race so there's nothing in it he's not he's not jumping off nature ships he thinks home affairs is the better horse or some people have been saying that to me it's just purely business the one thing i I don't understand is he's already won the group one on home affairs so if anyone's listening to this what happens there like does he need to win multiple group ones if he wins two group ones, yeah, does he get every <laughs> year? Does, does that mean he gets 150 grand a year? He's you know? gonna be a millionaire. <laughs> I know that's what I, I'm thinking. Geez, I might have to cut my legs off and become a jockey. One, <laughs> one service fee a year for the next 10 years. We're talking about a cult that's probably got to bring in about a starting price of maybe 60, 70 grand. Oh, cut him off, Blake. You're short enough. You, you've got you've got the ability. I'd say you're around the I don't, don't mean to be rude, but 65, 70 kilo mark. Is, is that about right? Yeah. I, <laughs> I definitely don't have the ability, though. Oh, we get you as a heavyweight rider. We'll, we'll get you down to uh, <laughs> we'll get you down to the picnics. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get oh. you nice and lean. Starve you for like <laughs> three months, and we'll, we'll get you on home affairs. <laughs> I want to get that Lock stuff. Me up. Yeah. Lock me up and starve Anyway, so if someone's out there that knows anything about this, please DM me. Campbell's Gambles, Instagram, Facebook. Um, let me know. Like, do you get two? Do you need to win two races? Like, what's the go? He's already won the group one. So, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, um, apparently, because Coolmore will have horses overseas too, so maybe Jamie wants to go overseas. So, that's another thing. Maybe you just want to be kind to them. So, anyway, going on for a bit too long. Let's talk about the races. Don't worry about all the media and behind it. Um, who you got on top here? 
flight. Nature Strip. Um, he's a good price, I think. Better than better than he has been most times. So I'm happy to just I'm happy to just go with him at, at the price, honestly, because like like let's face it, most of these horses, like you obviously have home affairs now, profiteer now. But apart from that, like he's he's raced like similar fields before and been like a dollar thirty, a dollar forty or whatever the hell he's opened up. And like he's lost some of them, but like at two dollars sixty, he's allowed to lose some of them because you're still gonna make a profit if he wins half of them. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm just gonna stick with the best horse, Nature Strip. Now, don't go off of me here, but I'm gonna say it. I'd rather have Jamie Carr and Nature Strip than James McConnell. Oh, that's that's a that's a tight call, but <laughs> I, I'm I'm prepared to say it. I just think. Oh, not that James McDonald hasn't done a good thing with Nature Trip. He's, he's a brilliant jockey, James McDonald, the best in Australia, in my opinion. But I just think Jamie Carl has the ability to get to know the horse better. And I think J-Mac is riding below his standards currently. And I say that because in his last 50 rides, he's striking at 18%, whereas his last 12 months, he's been striking at 25%. And his career statistics around the 22 23%. Whereas Jamie Carr, her last 50 rides, she's been striking at 28% and her last 12 months is 20%. So she's riding above her statistics in the last 50 rides, whereas James McDonald's doing the opposite. So I feel like she's a more informed jockey purely off statistics. It's We're digging deep this week. But yeah, I, this is the most research you've ever done for a race, Jason. <laughs> I've never gone this You're deep. Gone. We're going deep. <laughs> She has soft hands and she is one on one, uh, one from one on the horse. And it was in this race last year. Wasn't as strong a field as it is this year. However, I thought she rode him really good last year. She let a fast horse be a fast horse. Whereas, you know, James McDonald, some, you know, some days he wants to bloody, you know, give him cover. Some days he doesn't. Don't get me wrong. His last couple of runs on him, like especially in the Everest, great ride. Um, there was another one in the TJ Smith last year. Great ride too. But yeah, I don't know. I like Jamie Carr on him. I like Jamie Carr on him. And I just think Eduardo down the straight, he's had three starts, hasn't done anything. Obviously, that was when he was with a different trainer. Now with Joe Pride, he's absolutely sent him to a uh, different uh, dimension, basically. But I um, just don't think he's the type of horse that suits straight track racing. Eduardo is a type of horse where he finds the front, uses that bend to perfection, rails like a demon and fights like a bulldog. Whereas down the straight, you kind of get a bit lost and you need to be strong late. Whereas I think Nature Strip probably has that. So I've gone really deep. I've wasted about three minutes of Blake's time and all the listeners' time, but Nature Strip for me. Yep. Look out for the astrologist. He's nice odds. The astrologist. (laughs) Just keep an eye out. Keep an eye out. Keep an eye out. You can do worse than you can do worse than thirty-one dollars at Zabble. And <laughs> can't wait till Matt Gill says it's nature stripping Eduardo at the clock tower. I don't look at astrologist, he's flying down the inside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a massive boil over the HP. Anyway, oh, the astrologist has won his first. It'll be It'll be flashbacks to remember that um what was that group one in Melbourne that there was like a hundred and uh, there was a hundred dollar horse from like Perth Gatting, or something. Gatting, Gatting. 
Man, that was that was the most, the most insane. That was the most insane thing ever. Yeah, he beat Mystic Journey the dog. Yeah, there'll be flashbacks to that. <laughs> the scroll just, just hit the lead. Look out, look out. I love Matt Hill. Greatest. He doesn't sound anything like that. So much disrespect to Matt Hill there. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't listen. We only have like 50 listeners a week. So Matt Hill's not one of them, I can guarantee you. But thank you to everyone that listens on that note. Thank you to all the 50 people. If I knew your names, if I had that data, I'd thank each and every one of you individually by via a text message. However, you sent everyone sends very nice words about this podcast. So I really appreciate it. So it makes us want to do it every single week. And on that note, we're going to do more viewers competitions here. We've got the hundred dollar viewers competition. Joshua Franks, um, the great man from Newcastle, unfortunately bowed out last week with the big boy behemoth. Um, and unfortunately, we don't have anyone on the leaderboard for season two. Therefore, our new contestant, my Italian friend from down south in Melbourne. Stephen Lentini has decided to play the straight bat down the ground, $100 to win on nature strip. I think you'll like that one, Blake, won't you? Mm, good on you. Beautiful. Get on the board. <laughs> Get on the bloody board. Yeah. Wait, what were you going to say about nature strip? What was the, what were you saying earlier before we got on air? <laughs> Do you want to make that public or just uh, private? No, no. If the strip doesn't win, I'll strip. Jeez, what are we talking? What are we like? Are we talking like shirt, pants, full, full blown, or Jason? I don't know which. I don't know who which team you bat for, buddy. But I bet, I'm, I bet, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm all ears. I'm all ears. You give me the ideas, and uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll hold you to that. We'll get a TikTok float. <laughs> Vice versa, we'll get some reaction of of the race. Oh, if it wins, or better win then. Or possibly, you know, Blake getting down in his jocks and doing a bloody lap around an oval somewhere in the middle of the night. So it's a bit like uh, the nudie run uh, when you don't score a try. <laughs> so maybe we can get one of our uh, NRL players that listen to this podcast weekly. We've got so many of them, all 50 of them, um, <laughs> to, uh, to basically show you the ropes. One of those forwards that never scores a meat pie, has had played like <laughs> games, Scored four meat pies. When he scores a meat pie, carry all, carries on like a bloody princess. But um, anyway, I've just ripped into some, you know, 120 kilo front and roller. So I hope he's not listening. So he might yeah, absolutely. Look out. Might look out. <laughs> anyway, we've got our own $100 competition. Uh, I currently have the lead. But as we know, Blake, last year, the person that has the lead, you're always looking over your back. So it is scary. Um, I've got $90 in the kitty and Blake is in the negatives. He's borrowing from the bank again, $205. Man, Sierra Sue was so bloody close. I don't know how Cascadian got up the rail last week. Like uh, Cascadian's a dog. He's a dog. Yeah, but the rail was so bad all day. And then the one race where I needed the rail to be really bad, it was good. And Cascadian really fucking... Oh, I don't like... Oh, like when Cascadian first came to Australia, I think I had the biggest hard one ever. But mm. yeah, he's just... He's been an absolute dog. You know, yeah. <laughs> I just can't catch that horse. Like, what was he the yeah, other day? Like thirty-one dollars, and he he runs against the pattern and runs like that. It's just like, oh, yeah. Lighthouse was yeah. Cool. Was Normally cool. you'd see that and be like, all right, follow him, but you just can't. And then he'll come out next know. up and he would do nothing, and then you drop off him, and then he'll come out third up and do something. It's just like, oh, Cascadian, you. And the the thing is with Cascadian, he's wearing all blue. He's a chestnut, and he's got the biggest baldy face ever. He stands out like a bloody sore thumb. And then when you're watching the replays, it's hard not to get like aroused by him because that's the first thing you're looking mm. at. 
Anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just so eye-catching. He always yeah, runs. Yeah. He sucks the punters in. He sucked me in a few times. But yeah, uh, he's when, that would just be a bit of a tease on the on the arousing front. So. Yeah, he's a tease. My ROI on Cascadian is definitely in the minus and <laughs> very deep into the minus. But anyway, uh, we're both hundred dollars on Nature Street. Was that correct? Yeah. I was thinking about just putting like two bucks each way on the astrologers to take. <laughs> Jeez. But that's um that's getting um that's getting too technical. It's too yeah. much work for Jace, not the Yeah. I I'd rather not I'd rather not do like, you know, plus hundred and three and thirteen cents or something. <laughs> Be forever, mate. Anyway, uh it's that time of the week again. Best bets. What did we do last week? Did you win? Or did I win? Someone won. Was it you? Normally it's you. Oh, I mean. What did you have? I can't remember. If I could bloody remember. <laughs> oh. Um, Actually, no, I did win. I had Legay Soleil. That's right. Get it up, yeah. I was like five to one. It came down the oh, end. Oh, yeah. Oi. How'd yeah. you forget about that one, Jason? I thought you'd be tooting the horn as yeah, soon as the podcast normally, started. Yeah, normally I, normally I do. I just, I just remembered then. I wasn't watching. I'll it tell was you massive. Funny. That was a fucking huge wrong. Yeah. No, I'll tell you what happened. I was I was going to a MND uh, charity night. Um, and you know, there's you know, some big names there like Paul Gallen and whatnot and Ian Botham. So DC hey. James Harron was there, the um the bloodstock manager for um or oh, James Harron Bloodstock, what am I saying? The guy that buys all the million dollar cults, like the Mount Fuji's and the philosophers and those green and mm-hmm. those green colours. Annabelle Nation was there, there was huge names there. Anyway. I was going to the, I was in the Wilson car park, the Wilsons, mate, Wilson car park. That is the greatest business to ever exist. Biggest ripoffs. Anyway, I get up to the third level in this Darling Harbour one. And then the person in front of me is like, get back, get back. We have to reverse. Someone's stuck up here. They've overbooked. I'm like, are you kidding me? So it took us 20 minutes, everyone to reverse from level three to level two to level one. I lost all connection in there. I got there specifically 20 minutes before the last race at Randwick, just to back of the gay Soleil. And I and then as soon as I get out, my connection comes back and I hear Darren Flindell say, and the gay Soleil has burnt them down the outside. And I'm thinking, oh, anyway, I was gonna have like a couple of hundred on about six dollars. So that so now we know why the gay Soleil shit in. It's because yeah. you weren't on it, mate. If I was on it, it would have ran dead last. So know? all the listeners who backed him in, including myself, can all thank Jason. Because oh, did you back it? Of course I did, mate. Of course yeah. I did. Anyway, that was sexy. Yeah, she she won like a dollar fifty shot in the end, really. Eh? Yeah, and John O'Shea is just a dog. If you're listening, John, <laughs> you're a dog. The, some of the races you managed to fucking win. Remember Promise of Success last last um oh, yeah. last prep? They won like a group one horse. It was the same thing. Stepped up massively good. in um. Yeah. You tipped it at big odds. Yeah, yeah. Then, well, she ran. She ran last week as well. Ran second to Snap Dancer, but like obviously, um, Patton was just not in her favour. And I mean, it wasn't in the Gay Soleil's favour either. And pff, yeah. what the fuck happened? But oh, John O'Shea, mate, hats off. Hats off. Yeah. Well, to be fair, like if anyone did the race properly, like she was one of the the main hopes, if not the hope. Just because her mm. first up record, she flies fresh. And if you watch the trials, like I do, I'm an absolute perv. She trialed as good as she's ever tried in her life. So, and, you know, we did say if the inside chops out, you know, get the hell on because she was in the spot yeah. to be down the outside flooding home and everyone down the inside was, uh, yeah. But anyway, best bets, Blake. Do you got anything for us? Value? Best? Anything? 
I've got quite a few black bookers. Oh. Um, in terms of which ones I give away. <laughs> oi, 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 oi. He doesn't want to move uh, the market. No. <laughs> <Or> fish. Um, <laughs> I know there's a lot of listeners with uh, with big pockets. So, yeah, you know. Deep. deep. Um, no, nah, but I, I had a look at Dream Circle Race 9. I, I have this, um, I don't know, I have this, what do they call it? Superstition. Yeah. about having best bets late in the card. It just, I don't know, it doesn't sit well with me now for some reason. But race nine, um, Dream Circle, I black booked uh, him off his last run, 1,200 metres. Gets the 14 now. Um, draws much better. It was a good run last time. So um, he's already come from 18 into seven and there's been a few scratchings, but regard, like he's easily the biggest shortener um, even with the scratchings considered. Um, so Dream Circle's a, a decent each-way price. In terms of shorties, um, Yonts is pretty good. Yonts mm. was pretty good last time, has been whole career, and she looks like she'll get the 16 as well. Just the gate, but like I said, um, well, like I said, I have no fucking idea what's going to happen at Flemington, but if it is typical Flemington, then it won't matter to be too, like it won't matter to be a little bit wide and gate 11, at least, you know, she's going to have every chance. Like she's not going to get held up and buried in between runners. So I don't know. We'll see what happens, but um, there's just a few to keep an eye on. I don't really have any that stand out like a sore thumb, like I usually do. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to go against your superstition here. I was going to butt in while you're speaking, but I thought how rude of me to do so. Um, <laughs> You've done it plenty of times before. <laughs> yeah, not like I've done it. But I do it every bloody minute of the episode almost. Uh, I help myself. <laughs> trying to speak. Anyway, uh, going to the last race at Rose Hill, Dadron. Um, I was on this fella first up at Warwick Farm. Uh, not going to lie, he did – Never looked like he was going to lose, but I thought he was entitled to him by a little bit more. Um, so let's just say stepping into this race, there is a bit of a, you know, we need to see him improve here. Let's just say that. Um, however, I think he's capable of doing so. I really like the way he finished off. I thought that was the best part of his race, the last 200 metres. Um, and he looked to me like a horse that needed to improve. I was at the races that day. Um, I still had him as a pick of the yard just purely because I had him as the best bet and he I like he was on his toes he was fresh he went out early I, I really like that so if you're watching the coverage tomorrow don't be worried if he goes out early and if he's on his toes because he won convincingly last time doing so um draws barrier one here perfect 14 rma is perfect tim clark book perfect and a race shape to suit not a load of speed in this race there's a new zealander that i have a query on syndicato whatever it's called but um that horse didn't show a great deal of speed in its trial and it is a six-year-old. It's a lightly raced six-year-old, which you, you don't see many six-year-olds having five starts in, in their career still racing, um, especially being unplaced. So that's a bit of a, a question mark. But um, I think that, I don't know, I'm, I'm not sure what to make of that horse. All I know is what I'm going to get from Dadran, and that is a very strong and solid effort from the front, if not box seating here. So, that's race 10, Rose Hill, number three, Judge Ryan. All right, that's about it for this episode, Blake. Um, do you want to give a shout out to our sponsors? Sponsor? Nibble Double. Nibble Double. They're the ones. Yeah, no, just so good. I'm, I'm honestly enjoying just betting with them, to be honest. Yeah. Um, 
that yeah, just get the app's just so much fun. Like because you can because you can socialize and and get all that sort of stuff in as well. It it's, feels a little bit less degen than just kind of doing it on your own. Yeah, and you know, hiding in the corner of your room, you get to communicate, socialize. You know, get around some tips with your mates and and um, becomes a bit more of a social thing, which is kind of fun. Um, and yeah, if any of the listeners get on board or, you know, that haven't already, we've been pumping double since episode one. So if they're not on it yet, get on it, but, um, you can follow all the tips that all the experts post from, from the team, um, which is pretty handy and you don't have to follow all of them, obviously, but you get to read up, um, on the write-ups and all that sort of stuff. And it's all there in one place. So instead of going through Facebook, reading, you know, post after post and, and all that jazz and then having to swap over to some bookie figure out where the race is and the horse and then do all that sort of stuff it's all there and copy the bet just copy it click copy read read the description copy the bet place it all in the same spot so it's really handy it's really nice so get around it beautiful also get around our social medias at campbell's gambles on facebook instagram tiktok and uh that's Mm. about it keep Uh, an eye out for that tiktok uh Nature strip. <laughs> yeah, keep an eye out for that. Talking about degeneracy. <laughs> Talk about degeneracy and uh, doing things that are alone your corner. If you check out our last TikTok video at Campbell's Gambles, I thought it was an absolute cracker. I just put it up there about an hour ago, but uh, I can say I've probably fallen into that boat a couple of times. Um, <laughs> the listeners that do watch the TikTok, they'll probably know which video I'm speaking about. So um, I think everyone has an inner degenerate inside them. Um, and it does come out. Some people are every day, some people once a month. I'm really bad. Sometimes like once every three or six months, I just get sick, man. Like I've been, <laughs> I've been on esports basketball. It's like, <laughs> I was having a really good streak a couple of weeks gone esports basketball. But geez. Anyone who says they haven't been there is lying. Yeah, of course. Anyone who says that. You're, you're a gamble responsibly. Always gamble responsibly, everyone. Always. Always. All right, Blake, uh, that's about it. Thank you to everyone tuning in. Episode five next week, we'll be covering the Group 1 racing once again. If there is a Group 1 race, I'm pretty sure there will be. I'm not sure what it is. I haven't looked at the schedule, but I think we should be good. Best of luck to you on Saturday, Blake. Thank you, Jace, and listeners. All right, laters.